This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hey everyone, and welcome back to All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I'm so excited to be talking to Jody Gersh, also known as Jody on the Web. Jody is the Director of Social Media for Strategic Brand Marketing at USA Today, and she's had a long, long career with the Gannett Company, which is the parent company of USA Today. You'll hear her story and all about how she helped her brother launch one of the first social networks way, way back in the early 2000s. And you'll hear how that helped give her the insights necessary to drive and launch social media at Gannett. It's a pretty incredible story. Take a listen. Welcome, Jody, to the show. Thank you for having me. Jody, I'm so excited to have you on the show today, and I would love to know, before we get started and hearing about all the amazing things you do at USA Today, I want to hear the story of how you got to where you are today. Tell me the story of your career from as early as you want to start. Well, so I've been with Gannett for a little over 16 years, and Gannett's the media company that owns USA Today, along with 100-plus other local um, news organizations. And obviously, I have not been doing social media for all 16 of those years because it didn't exist back in the day. But in 2003, um, my brother, who is a serial entrepreneur, he launched a social network. And to give you like a gauge on the timeline, 2003 is around the same year that MySpace came out. Okay. So this is early on. And I was already working uh, at the time, I think I was with USA Today as a project manager at the time. And my brother launched this social network. They weren't called social networks back then, but it it was basically a social network. And he asked me to help out, you know, beta test, um, kind of plug away at it, invite my friends. And really, uh, the name of the social network was Multiply, and it has since closed down. But if you Google it or look at Wikipedia, it really did exist. I didn't make it up. But it was a great social network. And really, um, a lot of the features that they had or what kind of ended up in Facebook. But um, so from 2003 till about 2008, I lived my life on Multiply. I was reluctant to join Facebook when it came out because all my stuff (laughs) and my friends were all on Multiply. But um, it was really not growing. We were having trouble getting people to understand um, why they would want to join. I've had uh, friends say, well, why would I put my photos on the internet? And so <laughs> it, was, it was early on, basically. Wow. Um, but I was having a lot of fun on there. And my degree is in sociology. So I really was fascinated with why certain people shared certain things, why people wanted to post you know, a million times a day, whereas some people hardly ever posted but commented on everything. It was just really a, a fascinating kind of sociological experiment, kind of looking at that. Mm. Now, I had my day job still at USA Today, so this was on the side. But uh, in late 2008, 
I called somebody in the digital division at Gannett and I said, you know, this social media thing might really affect our industry. Um, and I think that we should create a social media manager job and kind of start to take this seriously. And the person I spoke with said, you know, I don't really think the social media thing is going to take off, but um, you can become a, a content manager and sort of focus on social media for now if you'd like. And I was like, okay, that works. And probably within a few months, I was social media manager because right. I think everybody started to realize it it was a thing. It started um, to hit, I would imagine, like gain the major traction that it did right around that time. Exactly. And mm -hmm. in early 2009, you would start to see uh, news organizations creating profile pages on Facebook because there really weren't pages pages yet. Um, and a lot of people just kind of the Wild West, you know, whatever totally. profile photo. They There were no rules. There were no sort of um, policies in place. Right. And so when I started um, doing social at Gannett, I, I basically just put out an email or, or called all the local newsrooms. And I said, you know, who there is into social media? And they'd be like, you know, I think that guy in the corner, he's always on, on the Facebook. And I'm like, all right, send him my way. And I collected these people across our, I think at the time we had maybe 80, 80 local sites, but then we also owned TV stations. So it was around 80 newspapers, 23 TV stations. So I collected these people whose jobs weren't necessarily social media, but they had an interest in it. And I thought right. that's where I'll start. And so we just started having a weekly uh, conference call, kind of old school, where I would just started off, you know, every Tuesday at 10 a.m., like, so what do you want to talk about? What did you read on Mashable? Which Mashable was like this tiny little blog right. that, that had, you know, a story a day about social media, something about something new in Facebook or Twitter just launched, whatever the case may be. So it really was the only way to get any kind of social media news. And it was very small. I'm sure you remember. Of course. And so, and so that's what our weekly calls were. And little by little, they grew. And little by little, our news organization started kind of putting people in charge of social media. And because I was sort of at the forefront, I was the one that was able to kind of create those policies and create those best practices and, and sort of uh, direct our markets on, you know, what they should and shouldn't do and, and kind of get some uniformity across our profile pictures and, you know, what, um, as, of course, in the later years, as Facebook changes every day, you know, keep them up to date on what works and what doesn't and the algorithms and all those things. So, um it really grew into really quite a very hectic and busy job, um, but I loved it and it was great. Um, at some point, I moved over to product and I managed social products at um, mm. Econet, which was around the time that like all of the kind of Facebook readers, like Washington Post, I think had one and yes, a lot of yes, yes, yeah, right. And so you'd like see what your friends were reading and everyone was freaking out about um, security, but. Um, but we wanted to, you know, get in that game as well. And so I worked on some social products and USA Today um, did launch one, but uh, it, it never really grew because I think Facebook sort of shut down that whole that whole thing. But, you know, it's uh, so it was, funny that you mentioned that, that that yeah. was like a I have not thought of that in such a long time. And I remember right? it like it was yesterday where you right. would see all of a sudden, I just got a flashback to like this friend was reading this article on the Washington post and how, what an uproar that was. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it was, people were going nuts. Like some were yeah. like, this is great. But like your mom would be like, I don't want people to know what I'm reading. But it kind of it was, was the start of really driving traffic via social to publishers. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that had, that must've been the first big play that did that. I mean, now it's such a, an important piece, but if I think yeah. about it, wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that that we had to go through that stage to get to yes. where we are now, but, yep. um, yep. 
Facebook really was the one that decided to to end that. Um, we were just finishing up the app that they helped us build, and we were launching oh, it. And they were like, "Yeah, we think we're not really going to do these social readers anymore." Uh, I'm like, okay, but it was yeah. a great experiment, and you know, we built some other things off of the open graph. We had a really you said it had this amazing app uh, a few years ago, maybe the 10th anniversary of 9-11. I don't remember exactly which year where it was called 9-11 plus me. And mm. you would go in and you would connect through Facebook and it took you through this sort of amazing trip through like your history and people that you might have known or years that you um, turned things and said, you know, these people that, that um, you know, the amount of firefighters that died, this is how many people, you know, went to your school. Or It really, it kind of tied you into the story. I don't remember the specifics, but I remember that it was really quite an experience. And it, it started to show us the power of the open grass. And I really started thinking at that point about um, not advertising, but the data <laughs> and um, how much Facebook had all this data on us that we could potentially use in different ways if they let us, right? Which mm-hmm. is scary and not scary, depending on which side of it you're on. Right, right. Um, but then after I left social product and went back to news and um, just continued the journey, worked with our legal department to create Gannett's first ever social media policy, which was really about a nine-month <laughs> exhausting process. I learned a lot about fair labor laws and all Amazing. kinds of things. Amazing. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's hard because not just journalists, but people that work for news organizations, they they want to share their opinions on social media. You know, the, the, the person that might work in the press room or an advertising person, you know, they're not, they didn't sign on to, you know, try to be impartial. They're just selling ads. But at the same time, they work for a media organization. So we still have to um, have some type of policy and rules for them because the the readers or our audience don't really know who does what. They just know you work for USA Today and now you're posting about how you're for, you know, this politician or against that one. And yes. so that was really um It's quite, essential. essential. Yeah, it was quite an experience. Really and Judy, one of the things that. you mentioned when you were talking about when you were first, first starting in the social and digital space uh, for Gannett was that you assembled all these people who had a love of social media just based on genuine interest versus what their jobs were. Do you think that in order to be successful in the social media space that you have to have a real affinity for it or love? Like, can somebody succeed who's a good marketer but doesn't use social media personally or is not really into it? It's a really good question. And, um, it's it's part of why sometimes people are like oh we'll hire these kids right out of school they're social they'll be social media you know experts you I think you really do have to have a passion for it um, and and that passion doesn't necessarily have to mean you're great at writing posts or you understand the audience it just means that you are really like inquisitive about how it works and why it works and why people do the things like I said I mean I I do think that my uh, sociology background was sort of part of why I had that passion because I yep. really was fascinated with why people were doing these things and why I might also do these things. And so um, I, I would say a lot of those people that I collected, I hate using that word, but that I had kind of brought together in the early days did end up being the ones that beca- became the social media managers or the social media editors early on because they would be the ones that would go to their editor and say, hey, I understand this stuff. Right, Can right. I do it for the brand? And the editor was like, I don't know what any of this is, so sure, do it. I mean, this was like 2010, which, you know, six years ago, but <laughs> world, world away. Oh, in world media. difference. 2010 yeah. to 2016 is like a whole new world. It's yeah, wild. it's crazy. 
it's really, it's really wild. Amazing. And I would imagine it is when you think about it. Every time it's actually such an interesting thing to do this podcast because I listen to the stories of these women and it's over time and you hear, you know, how digital has changed even just through the context of their careers. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just mind blowing. It's not that long ago. 2010 is just like, it, it's a, a few years ago. It's six years ago and it's a totally yes, different I know. It's, totally. it's crazy how fast it's moved and technology as well. You know, like I think the first however many years of my life was sort of slow change and then boom, you know, come, I don't know, maybe the late nineties when all the dot com stuff, everything just started moving so fast. It just really, all hit. Yep. And so for USA Today, I would imagine that the amount of referral traffic from social from the time when you kind of started working on a social reader to today has changed drastically. Yes, it okay. has. It's, it's grown. Yes. <laughs> um, I would admit, obviously <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that part of that is because, um, the newsroom all, uh, including the executives started to understand the power of it. So the conversations changed somewhere in the last, I'd say maybe four years from why would we put our stuff there? You know, we want people to come to our websites right. to understanding that, um, putting things out on social media and engaging with audiences does actually drive traffic back to our sites. But more importantly, it, it starts building the relationship, which I always, when I was in the um, news role, the social media news role really fought hard for everyone to understand that this is about the relationship between the brand and the, I hate to call them users, but readers, whatever you want to call them, because Sometimes we just post a picture. We're not directing them back to our site. Sometimes we're um, asking a question or have a poll. So it isn't always driving traffic. It's really about the relationship, whether it's the first time someone um, sees our posts because someone shares it, um, or if they've been a longtime reader and noticed that what we're doing on social is a little bit more fun, a little bit different, or you know, breaking news is, is coming much faster you know, following us on our social accounts. So I think that... Um, really in the early days, I stressed that. And that, that I think that the, it sort of changed for the executives, but I, I used to joke that it went a little bit too far. So first it was like, why would we put our stuff there? We don't want to use that too. Everything is Facebook. And I think like we probably went a little bit, not us, I think the whole industry went a yeah. little bit like, oh, this is going to save our whole industry. Right. Social media is the answer. Everything. Right, right, right. Right. And and I knew all along it wasn't going to save the industry, but it was certainly the evolution of the industry. And if we weren't there, we would be left behind. So a lot of the last few years has sort of been trying to explain that, you know, it's not the end all, but it's a key component in everything that we do, whether it's on the marketing side, on the advertising side, or on the news side. Um, it's not something that you think of after the fact. It's part of everything and everyone's jobs. So at least we've gotten to that point now. Yes. And when you are looking at measurement for effectiveness of social media for USA Today, I'm sure traffic is one key component, but there are other metrics you look at as well for success. Tell me a little bit about what constitutes success on social for USA Today. You know, it's really funny that that answer probably has changed a lot um, depending mm-hmm. on when you asked it, even in just the last maybe two years, because wow. um, traffic referrals from social was obviously uh, and is obviously very important. Um, last year, my whole thing was about reach. And I think it probably mm. still is. It's about reach. So my view is that if we're not reaching people, then they're definitely not going to click and come back to our site. So um, as many people as we can reach on social media will then trickle down and all the other numbers in theory would go up. But 
that's where, you know, the algorithms and, and engaging content come into play because we may have, you know, 4 million fans on Facebook, but each post isn't necessarily reaching those right. fans, as you know, the way Facebook works. And so engaging content, you know, now obviously Facebook Live, the different things that we could be doing to help that reach then translates to traffic, to engagement, to everything else that we're hoping for. So um, it's changed a lot over the years. You know, for a while it was how many fans you have. That's right. that's the number. And right. I kept, for for a while, I kept saying, you know, look at engagement. Don't look at fans necessarily because, um, and certainly in our industry, a lot of our uh, news sites would say, well, the local TV station has way more fans. And I would say, yeah, but do this little equation and look right. at their engagement. And their engagement was so much lower right. um, because, and this isn't a, anything against TV stations, but they do a lot of contests. They do a lot of, you know, follow us now and you can win whatever. And so they get a lot of fans that aren't necessarily engaging with their content. Whereas we may have lower numbers, but the people that are our fans and our followers are interested in what we're doing. And I think that is also very important. Um, so how you get those fans is just as important as how many fans you have. I think that your evolution, uh, you know, going from you know, the original, of course, which was everybody wanted fans, followers, except the sort of vanity metrics, to how important engagement is, to um, ending up with a combination thereof and really being focused on reach is an evolution that you've seen throughout all industries. I think that yeah. reach is kind of key. And and so which networks are working best for USA Today today? So, um, you know, the thing with which networks work best has a lot to do with also how many people are on those networks, right? Yes. So it's, I can't imagine that anyone respond that Facebook isn't working the best just because of the billions of people that are there. Um, so we're always going to have high, higher numbers from Facebook, but depending on what we're doing, you know, if we're doing live tweeting of, or live posting of something, you know, Twitter is going to generally work better for that. Um, if we're, you know, trying to do polls or, or trying to ask questions, both networks tend to do equally well. I can't really answer that. Um, I mean, Facebook and Twitter, obviously, one and two, but uh, we're definitely putting a focus on Instagram now. We've just um, really started to try to measure what we're doing there and look at um, more of a strategy rather than just post beautiful photos or post really engaging um, news photos. We're really starting to step back and say, well, what what is our strategy? What are we trying to do there and what works? Um, and I, I'm not going to tell you what that is because I don't want to give away our secrets, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we're definitely starting to focus on that there. Um, and of course, you know, the Snapchats, we have to, we yeah. have to be in the places that actually will never drive traffic or at least right. not if you're, you know, not paying for it. Um, we've got a lot of millennials that work at our company. And so um, that's one of those networks, again, going back to what we were first saying about how you have to have a passion for it. Yeah. You can't teach a maybe senior social media editor how to use Snapchat. Like, it's and it's really funny that we're in that stage now where there are senior social media editors that might, you yeah. know, be Gen Xers or, or yeah. you know, older Gen Xers. Um, really, I think they can learn it and they might love it. I've, I'm getting better at it. But, but it's counterintuitive. Uh, it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Somebody of a certain yeah, someone, yes, for sure. This this guy I know, Ian Hill, who works at our, um, not our, but at our formal, formerly uh, Sacramento TV station, he said the one thing that he was realizing with Snapchat is that um, Gen Xers are the click generation and Snapchat um, millennials are the swipe generation. And that that's a big part of why 
it, it feels weird for us because we grew up on clicking. Everything we did was clicking, whereas they have a lot more apps and utilities and things that they do that are swiping. Um, you know, they grew up with the iPhone and the iPad, and you're just doing that all day. And I think that was a really interesting point. So shout out to Ian for that. Awesome. And Jody, tell me just really quickly, what about your own personal social media usage? What are your favorite networks today? And do you, when you get home, you've obviously been immersed in this space for a long time. When you get home, do you shut it off? Do you stay on what, you know, are you, yeah. are you living in it and breathing it every day? Yeah. You know, I've done a lot less recently than I used to, and mm -hmm. I've been trying to figure out why that is. And I think, I think it's because you are looking at it all day that by the time you get home, you sort of like, eh, I just kind of want to not be looking at it anymore. Um, I, I do try to still post uh, as often as I can, I guess, but at least I try to post at least once a day. Um, my Twitter, the way that I look at Twitter is really kind of sharing um, interesting information to my followers. So whomever they are, most of them or a lot of them are media related. So I tend to share journalism or social media related articles, and then I'll engage here and there, but not as much as I should. Um, on Facebook, personally, I think, you know, at night while I'm watching TV after dinner, I'm just kind of scrolling on my phone through my yep. feed and I'll just yep. share things that other people have posted. But um, unless I'm at an event or somewhere where I, you know, take a photo, I'm, I really am not posting a lot. You know, I was on vacation last month and I was at this amazing zoo, the Living Desert in Palm Springs. Ooh. And there were these like camels and, and buffalo, maybe not buffalo. There were all kinds of crazy animals and giraffes. And so I was taking pictures, videos of these goats that were running around. And I posted it on Facebook. Um, and like a day or two later, I went and looked and it only had like three or four likes, which is completely unusual for me. Yep. And it was the first time that I was like, Facebook, damn you. <laughs> because yes. they didn't, I asked my friends, most of my friends said they never yeah. saw it because they love animals. They would have liked it. So you know, it's happening on my personal stuff as well because I haven't been posting as much. Facebook oh, yeah. is penalizing me. So yep. um, what are you going to do? So if you want to go, you know, check yeah. out, if you're my friend, go look at Jody oh, on the web on Facebook like and you'll see you, goats. You really <laughs> like goats. And where should people follow you and where should they follow USA Today? Where's the best place that they can go? Um, well, so USA Today is going to be username USA Today everywhere. Um, so Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, LinkedIn, everything. Instagram. Um, and I recommend Instagram. We're trying to grow our Instagram following. We're doing some really cool things. So Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook Live, probably those are the, the places where we're doing some fun stuff right now. Um, but then obviously USA Today also has a ton of sub brands. Um, and then there's all the local markets too. So um, just when you go to USA Today on social, just look at who they're following. You'll see all of our other accounts. Um, I'm Jody on the web on social, so I pretty much have that username everywhere also. It's a pretty um, good username. And I also like that it's consistent across all channels. Yeah, Just you know, saying. early on, I was, <laughs> so this will take you back. I had a, a website early, early on, and um, I had bought the domain name Jody on the web. It was a GeoCities website. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so I've had Jody on the web since a very long time ago. And I when social started, you know, I really wasn't thinking like it should be short, right? Cause it's kind of long right. for a username, but it's no, but it works, my... but it works. Jody on the yeah. web definitely works. So everyone <laughs> go follow Jody on the web right now because she is awesome. And Jody, thank you so much for being on the show today. You were a fabulous social lady. Oh, thank you very much. You've been listening to all the social ladies with Carrie Kerfin. 
CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.